Production support for Earth Eats comes from Blooming Foods Co-op Market, providing local residents with locally sourced food since 1976. Owned by over 12,000 residents in Monroe County and beyond. More at bloomingfoods.coop. And Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent with Personal Financial Services, assisting businesses and individuals with tax preparation and planning for over 15 years. More at personalfinancialservices.net. From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. And I talk to them constantly about activism, food justice, systematic oppression, food equality, food access, food security. Those are things that are terms that they're becoming familiar with early because this is the work that we do. This week on the show, we visit with a youth farming program on the far east side of Indianapolis for a farm tour and an interview with founder Sharana Moore. They've got a lot going on. You won't want to miss it. So stay with us. Let's start with food news with Renee Reed. She's got one story from Chad Bouchard this week. Hi, Renee. Hello, Kate. A sobering report from the United Nations says the pandemic could cause 132 million more people to suffer from hunger due to food system collapses and extended shutdowns by the end of the year. That's in addition to the 690 million people already undernourished last year, an overall increase of about 19 percent. David Beasley, head of the World Food Program, said nations need to invest in hunger relief to avoid mass starvation and other significant issues. The report calls for a transformation of food systems to decrease the cost of nutritious foods and to boost affordability of healthy diets. World hunger was in a steady decline until 2014, but numbers have since increased by about 60 million people. African countries have the highest rate of undernourished in the world at 19%, which is nearly double the global average. Asia has the highest total number, with 381 million people undernourished in 2019. Gilbert F. Hungbo, president of the International Fund for Agriculture, said during the report's public release that policymakers have to consider agriculture, the environment, health, poverty, and hunger as a network of related issues. Quote, World problems are interconnected, and the solutions are intertwined. The current pandemic is a wake-up call to all of us. That report comes to us from Chad Prashard. For Earth Eats News, I'm Brene Reed. Lake swimming, bonfires, and late-night ghost stories in cabin bunk beds. Long hikes and camp songs, tug-of-war, and acorn arts and crafts. Those are some of my summer camp memories. This year, most summer camps and youth programs have been canceled due to restrictions in place to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. This has left many families scrambling for childcare and many kids with too much time on their hands. Sharana Moore decided to go ahead with the Next Generation Farmers Youth Program at Lawrence Community Gardens. Sharana Moore, I am the founder of Lawrence Community Gardens right off the corner of 46th and Post Road in the far east side of Indianapolis. 
So the Next Generation Farmers Summer Youth Program is all about teaching the kids the Junior Master Gardener curriculum and also strategic organic agriculture practices along with some small farm business enterprise skills. Uh, we have a youth program that's running right now, the Next Generation Farmers Summer Youth Program. The program takes place entirely outdoors, so social distancing is a real option. But they had to make many changes this year for the day camp to be as safe as possible for participants. The first thing we did was we cut out all volunteerism. So we don't accept any volunteers right now. We offer all the children masks. We supply clean uh, garden gloves every day, sanitize or disinfect them by washing them with bleach water every day. And then also they have latex gloves as well. If they're handling produce, they have plastic gloves that they can use to handle those. They all got hand sanitizer and they got the disposable masks, but I also gave them bandanas. Each child was required this year to have their own water bottle their own reusable water bottles. One person is distributing the lunch, you know what I mean, with gloves on, masks. Not and having everybody coming Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. So we're, everything is grab and go, or we're distributing it. So those are the changes that we made this year, also with social distancing. They usually are spread out a lot more. And truthfully, being outside um, is increasing their immune system. It's building their immune system. The amount of vitamin D and eating from this farm is increasing their immune systems already. So when they go back to school, their immune system will be stronger. Because we didn't have our big volunteer days with the Chamber of Commerce and our community partners, we wrote for funding to bring our youth in 10, 10 weeks ahead of time to help us get our hoop house developed and planted and cultivated so that we would have produce now for our youth to sell for this program. We needed their help regularly, so they came out and helped with getting the farm going. They came out Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And those three days, we really got a lot done. I've had Sharana on the show before. She's also the founder of the Black Farmers Co-op in Indianapolis. We've talked with her about food deserts and farmers markets and whiteness. I dropped by the farm last week for a chance to see their youth program in action. The farm is flat and open, with a few outbuildings, a hoop house, and an almost finished entrance road off a busy street. On this morning, there's blue skies and a cooling breeze. Sharana introduced me to two young participants that. for a tour of the farm. That would, that would be fantastic. Zion, this is Miss Kate. Hi. Hi. Jason, this is Miss Kate. My name is Jason Rosales Harms. I am Zion Moore. We started at a wooden shed with the double doors flung open facing the road. It's their farm stand. It's open basically every day from 8 to 12. And this is the last week for the youth program. It'll still be open a little bit after. It's not open year-round, but most of the summer. We got a lot of cucumbers, a lot of jalapenos, chilies, spicy peppers, just bell peppers, purple bell peppers, eggplants, banana peppers, a lot of herbs dried herbs, eggs. This is our you pick for free section where um, people can come pick produce for free. We've got cucumbers. We got tomatoes, onions here. I'm pretty sure these are carrots. Yeah, these are carrots. And then these over here are also carrots. And then these right here are all strawberries. And then we moved right into here. the main growing areas. Um, we, we have, have some, some watermelon. watermelons. Yeah. That's zucchini. Tomatoes. More tomatoes. 
more tomatoes. And as you can see, we have built them up because when it rains, it can sometimes flood and kill the plants. We built it up so that when the water, when it floods here, like all down there, it will be all flooded, but the plants will still be okay. Oh, so the water kind of goes in this channel? Yeah. yeah. In the rows. So they don't get damaged. That's great. And has that happened this year? Oh, what? yeah. There's a lot of water. Next stop was the chicken coop. That, this pipe right here is watering. That other pipe here is a food thing. And if we go in, this is where we get all the eggs from. Oh, that's so cool. Um, those, those chickens right there are the ones that have the, the males of the uh -huh. group. And the other here, chickens are all female. The, the, here's a fact. Chickens don't like water. So how do they bathe? They take a dirt bath. They're, um, they they uh, use their feet and loosen up the dirt until they can like kick it up on their back and it keeps them cool. And so how do you keep them safe from like hawks and stuff like that? Well, um, we just built a fence around it so that uh, predators can get through and he built a roof over it so that no flying animals could get inside or nothing could crawl up in there. And during the day, we keep a close eye on them, make sure they don't go too far. And after, at the end of the day, we take a head count for the chickens and make sure they're all there. And um, then you put them inside? Yeah. So that's something that has to be done every single day, right? Yep. At the bottom right here, this is basically the same thing that was over there in the rows. Um, so that it won't get really wet in there. So that the water would be all in there. It won't be really wet. So it's like a drainage ditch. Yeah. Or, or almost like a moat. Yeah. Wait, step over here a little. Yeah. That rooster, yeah. he's going to attack you. They keep chickens mostly for the yeah, eggs, but they do have a couple of roosters in the well, flock. If you, if you, that other one that's kind of small and got the long tail, he's kind of the mean one because if you just run from him, he'll chase you. That other one, if you go close to him or try to uh, pick up a chicken or mess with them, he'll go attack you. He's kind of the, the real the main male rooster. chicken. And the other one, he's kind of like the second male chicken. Mm -hmm. He came second. The first rooster is a rare breed of chicken. There's a matching pair, so this one right here, and then the rooster. Uh -huh. They match and they're... So, she, so he prefers Oops, her more than anybody else. Yeah. Okay. The last year, or maybe some people this year, they had never seen a real chicken before. So yeah. this is like the first time seeing a real chicken. So I guess it might have been kind of interesting for them. Any of them after attack you, just back away slowly and look them in the eye. They won't. They probably won't attack you if you do that. Okay. Yeah. Back away slowly and look them in the eye. Got it. The next stop was the beehives. We approached two bee boxes on the path leading from the chicken coop to the hoop house. A beekeeper that comes and checks all the hives, make sure they're all doing well, seeing if there's any honey ready to be harvested. We got a new set of bees back there, but those are kind of more mean than these. They're a different variety? Uh, I don't, well, I don't think so. It's yeah, just, just on, when the person that first brought them here, they brought them in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day is when bees are most active. When If you like want to do anything with bees, you probably want to do it early in the morning or late in the afternoon. And he made them mad. He killed a couple of them while transporting them. So they got mad and stung us all. Next was a stop at the massive hoop house filled with lush greenery. We have a lot of jalapenos. We got okra. A lot of our herbs are back there, like the basil, thyme, um, stevia, a lot of stuff like that. 
To the left of the hoop house was a small structure. Um, we have a generator for a water pump, so we have a hose that we have connect up to it. it's really long, and we just water plants like that sometimes. And so we have right here, this is my mom's office, it's a trailer, because we don't have really any other Wrapping up the tour is an RV that serves there. as Sharana's That's office. we have our solar panel. And so she just does all her um, office work in there. And our farm stand has solar power on it. So you have a little bit of electricity in Yeah, there. a little bit. Yeah. I asked Jason and Zion about their interest in the program. What motivates them? I just want to help the community because there's not many grocery stores here. There's not one in the neighborhood. They're, all of them are on Pendleton Pike, and there's no sidewalks to get to those or buses. Do you also enjoy growing food? Like, do you have an interest in farming? Um, yes, I have an interest in farming, but I'm not going to go into it as a right. major in university. Uh-huh. I actually have my own business. I don't really have a name for it yet because it's just a really small business. I haven't sold anything yet. I have these rare chickens, and they're eggs that can hatch chicks. They can go for around, like, 100 or between $50 a piece. It's called a, a Yam Samani chicken. It's an all-black chicken. Their eyes are black, their feathers are black, their bones are black. And so you're raising them and then selling the, the chickens that hatch. Yes, that's, that's really my business, yeah. It was just about time for lunch. During lunch, we also do curriculum that basically, is basically a school. We learn about money saving, planting, harvesting, a lot of things that could help us out at the garden, manage our money that we earn from the garden. Yeah, so I saw a list of like different topics you guys had done. So you'd done money management, chicken raising, mm -hmm. chicken processing. So what was that like? Um, so we killed one of the chickens um, who wasn't very helpful because she was mounting the chickens and ripping their feathers off because she wanted to have an egg, but she, she was, them, but yeah, she, she was couldn't a fertilize them because she's not a boy. She's still a girl, but she was acting like a boy. So yeah. she was no use and she stopped laying eggs. So we had to put her into, we had to put her into a crock pot, uh, cook her up some, with some rice. My two young tour guides were not shocked by the chicken processing workshop. Jason had dealt with killing live chickens for meat in his grandmother's village in Honduras. And Zion had processed a rooster from his home flock that died accidentally. One more thing is with the farm stand is we as a youth program sometimes take a, a list of all our prices and the food that we have and we would take it over there. We would walk over there to the um, senior home across the street and go door by door and see if they want any produce because most of them are really el are old and they can't come over here or walk. And so we would get like a, a car or a wheelbarrow and get their uh, stuff and then bring it over there. Uh -huh. I think that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for talking to me, you guys. This was great. You're welcome. You're welcome. That was Jason Rosales Harms and Zion Moore senior farmhands with the Next Generation Farmers Youth Program at Lawrence Community Gardens in Indianapolis. After a short break, we'll talk again with CEO and founder Sharana Moore about her vision for the program. Stay with us. Production support comes from Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, 
architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. Insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance, offering comprehensive home, auto, business, and life coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected, more at BillRushInsurance.com and Blooming Foods Co-op Market, providing local residents with locally sourced food since 1976. Owned by over 12,000 residents in Monroe County and beyond. More at BloomingFoods.coop. You're listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. After my guided tour of the Lawrence Community Gardens, Sharana Moore got the young farmers set up with lunch. There were some changes also with food this year. So normally we get our food from, our students get free lunch from the township schools, the uh, Lawrence Township Schools. Well this year, Lawrence Township Schools wasn't doing free lunch. So now my funds, some of the funds like, are diverted to providing them with lunch. Um, the options are, not always healthy as I would like for them to be, but they get lunch while they're out here. Once the food was safely distributed, we stepped into the shade of the farm stand to talk about Sharana's vision for the Next Generation Farmers Youth Program. So we teach them how to cooperatively work together and systematically uh, grow food to become their own farmer's market. So students have a chance to learn. They learn how to become the master of their produce items. If they're growing tomatoes, they don't learn all everything there is to know about that growing tomatoes. So that they can they can produce a quality tomato crop. Now if their friend or neighbor is growing cucumbers, then their friend or neighbor is learning all there is to know about cucumbers so they can grow a, qual- a quality crop as well as the health benefits of the produce that they grow. So they can communicate those things back to our customers who come through. They learn how to take care of chickens. They learn uh, basic beekeeping skills. And this year we had about eight students sign up to take or to be sponsored to take a beginning beekeeper class. So next spring they'll come back and they'll be the owner of their own hive out here. So they'll have all their equipment in their hive and they learn the importance of bees. So that's another value added item for our farm stand and for the kids to be able to make money off of. All of the produce that is being harvested and sold at their farm stand is donated from our garden to their program. Uh, so they earn profit sharing, but they're learning inventory, overhead and profit, data collection, you know, record keeping, all those important things in order to run a small business. So they count the register down. They learn how to do um, financial transactions, cash and credit cards. Um, we even take SNAP here. So um, this will be our first Saturday, this upcoming Saturday will be our first Saturday being open. I wanted to hear about the stipend structure in place for program participants. Junior farm hands make $50 a week stipend, plus they earn profit sharing off of what's made at the farm stand. Senior farm hands, a second year students will make $75 a week and still earn profit sharing. Third year students earn $100 a week and still earn profit sharing. And then also the senior farm hands this year are, we got an extent, some extended funding to keep on a few. Um, so they'll continue to work out here Tuesday and Thursday from five to eight and on Saturday 10 to two. So our farm stand will be open three days a week and they'll continue to earn profit sharing plus a stipend every week. 
for just continuing to work out here. We'll be able to keep four or five of them. The senior farm hands are actually team leaders. So um, when they come back their second year, they've learned everything. They're nominated by their peers, which is important because peer observation is really important, right? Their peers are observing their work ethics, their character, um, their behavior, how they treat other people, their knowledge here at the farm. So their peers are, are paying attention. Um, as a senior farm hand, they are a leader, a team leader. So it's their job to make sure in their team, the junior farm hands have to look to their senior farm hands for uh, resources, information, correct way to do things here at the farm. Um, so it, 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 it's nurturing their leadership skills as well. I asked Sharana about the logic behind offering the stipend. Well, first of all, we're working, we're working to reduce youth crime. By giving these kids a stipend every week, they're not going to be out opening up car doors stealing change. They're going to feel like their work is, has worth. So they get their certificate in the end, and parents were looking for stuff for their kids to do. But understand, $50 a week is not a lot of money. These kids are out here because this is absolutely what they want to do. It's more to growing food and being out here in the sun and being hot and dirty every day than just $50 a week. What they're doing is, and I talk to them constantly about activism, food justice, systematic oppression, food equality, food access, food security. Those are things that are terms that they're becoming familiar with early because this is the work that we do. Why do we grow here? We grow here to fight food insecurity. That's why we're donating half of what we grow to the pantries. But we're also here to add or improve food access for our community. There's nothing else in this area where people can go and just get fresh, organic, local food. Going to the grocery store is not freedom. The grocery store still controls what we eat. Being able to grow food and be in control of your wellness is true freedom. And so that's what we talk to the kids about. We also talk to them about investing in their communities as they get older, building in their communities, building businesses here, building your homes here, not just taking your families and moving outside the community because there's issues here, but being a part of the solution in the communities. So those are other things that I talk to them about all the time. It's about learning how to be sustainable. You can grow enough food to take care of yourself and your neighbors at your own house. Doing this, doing this systematically in your neighborhood means that everybody in your neighborhood eats. Now, we don't worry about the grocery stores closing. Cause we're gonna go farther away and we're gonna buy our uh, sugar and our flour in bulk and we're gonna come back and we're gonna distribute amongst our neighbors. We're gonna buy that collectively. But our community should be able to be sustainable just by our own efforts. And that's what we're teaching them, how to care, how to homestead. Because we don't expect the grocery stores to come back. They'll have to gentrify our whole neighborhood for the grocery stores to come back. At the way things are right now, the economic uh, foundation of this neighborhood, the medium income of this neighborhood, grocery stores aren't coming back. More and more businesses are leaving. They have to be aware of this. This is awareness at an earlier age. This is rebuilding and, and building a new nation. That's what this starts with. This small group of kids, this is building a new nation. Food is 
is justice. It's equality. It's the one thing that no matter what color you are, what gender you are, no matter what religion you are, we all eat. Everybody eats. This is about justice for all people right here. They need to know that. I'm eating lunch at the same time, so excuse me. It's okay. <laughs> I gotta eat lunch on the run. I asked Sharana what she had in mind when she offered a chicken processing workshop in a youth program. The chicken processing was we sent out permission slips to see if parents wanted. There were some parents that didn't want their children to see that. But I need them to understand when you order six chicken wings, how many chickens gonna die? We need them to understand the importance of why we're growing food and where these chickens fit in the cycle of the system here. They also learned how to butcher a chicken. So if you buy a whole chicken in the store, where do you start cutting it? It was more to the whole process than just the slaughter and the processing the chicken. And as we learned from Jason and Zion, they're learning a lot more than how to process chickens. They have to care for them every day. We have five teams, and each team is assigned a job duty for the day. So during the course of five weeks, they take, they take care of those chickens five times. From feeding, watering, collecting eggs, maybe they have to clean out the coop and put new, new uh, hay down. They understand their behaviors. They learn how to round them up. They learn so much about how do, how do chickens bathe? How do we keep them healthy? Even putting the apple cider vinegar and garlic in their water, you know, to keep them from getting worms. <laughs> they know about that. We learned about eggs, sizing, how to grade them, the different colors of the eggs, right? Processing the chickens was also about them understanding clean eating. If you eat meat, you should know where your meat is coming from. And if you're gonna raise chickens at your own house, this is how you would process your chicken. To understand the process of getting the chicken from the farm to the table. Everything here is about getting the food from the farm to the table. How do we do it? From the seeds to the harvest, right? To taking the harvest back, our diverted waste back to the compost and making new soil. I was interested in experiencing some farm-to-table salsa. Before I hit the road, I stopped by the farm stand to pick up supplies. I bought several varieties of peppers, golden cherry tomatoes, a cucumber, and a couple of eggplants. The eggplants are for baba ganoush, not salsa, in case you're wondering. As I was about to head out, Sharana offered me a Carolina Reaper pepper. If, if your whole life flashed before your eyes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to treat this one special. I'm not going to throw it in with the rest of them. <laughs> we'll hear more about that hot pepper in another episode. To learn more about the Lawrence Community Gardens and the Next Generation Farmers Youth Program, check our website, eartheats.org. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have a short video this week of chickens taking a dirt bath and Zion explaining. You can find us at Earth Eats. That's it for the show this week. We'll see you next time. The Earth Eats team includes Ayoban Binder, Chad Bouchard, Mark Chilla, Abraham Hill, Taylor Killo, Josephine McRobbie, the IU Food Institute, Harvest Public Media, and me, Renee Reed. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. 
Earthbeats is produced and edited by Kate Young, and our executive producer is John Bailey. Special thanks this week to Sharana Moore, Jason Rosales-Harms, Zion Moore, and everyone at Lawrence Community Gardens. Production support comes from Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent providing customized financial services for individuals, businesses, and disabled adults, including tax planning, bill paying, and estate services. More at personalfinancialservices.net. Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. And insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance, offering comprehensive home, auto, business, and life coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at BillRushInsurance.com. Thank you.